into the contest. It's Friday the 25th of June. Welcome to our Afternoon Sport Deep Dive. I'm Tim Gilbert. I am joined by my co-host, Shane Lee. You took the kids to putt-putt yesterday, mate, and, uh, and you lost. I did, mate, and I took my one wood to putt-putt. Are <laughs> hey, you and Greg Norman? <laughs> yeah, I don't like the short holes, mate. I've never been a great putter, but uh, no, the kids like it, mate. But uh, yeah, I've got to keep coming up with things to do every day for the next two weeks. Not going to be easy, Timmy. Got to diarise it, don't worry. At least we're all in this together. And you can be a winner on Afternoon Sport sometime over the next week or so. If you follow us on Twitter or Facebook, that is Afternoon Sport, you will go into the running for a signed Western Sydney Wanderers ball from Spain. Barton. Follow us on Twitter or Facebook. Coming up on the show today, Brisbane comedian Chad Wicker and former Olympian John Stephenson. So Shane, what a, what a moment for New Zealand cricket to, to be the top of the test playing nations. Extraordinary. The first ever test world champions and uh, led very well by Kane Williamson, mate. It was an interesting game at Lords where it was quite rain affected, and you know India scoring two seventeen first innings and one hundred and seventy in the second innings. New Zealand following up with two hundred forty nine and, and and winning the game at um, with two for one hundred and forty. But player of the match, Kyle Jamison, mate, he bowled unbelievably quick. The big tall fast bowler, five for thirty one and two for thirty. Yeah, and he got Verrett Coley both innings, so it's a big, big scout for him. But, look, he was beautifully supported by Tim Southey with four for 48 and Trent Bolt three for 39. So good on the Kiwis, mate. They they, they played really, really well. And I know Verrett Coley would have loved to hold that first ever Test Champion trophy aloft, but it wasn't to be. Yeah, good on them because a couple of years ago, look, they were, weren't they a butterfly wing away from winning that World Cup and nothing went right for them in the final stages of that game, did it? No, it didn't, mate. But, you know, they've been a really, really good Test side for a long time now. It definitely suited them playing in England um, where the ball swings around. Mm. You know, Trent Bolt doesn't bowl that fast, the left armour, but he swings the ball very, very late, as does Tim Southey. Um, and their big X factor was, as I said, was that Kyle Jamison who came in the big, tall, fast bowler, taking five thirty-one, but getting the prize wicket of Virat Kohli twice. Very, very good. Yeah, and as lovers of Test cricket, uh, basically, it's great for the game because we need as many strong Test playing nations as we possibly can. This is a Friday. That means Brisbane comedian Shad Wicker is up next as we head to Origin on Sunday. Well, as they say, there's only two sleeps to go until New South Wales smack Queensland's ass. <laughs> that means Brisbane comedian is with a Shad Wicker. Thank God it's Friday. How are you, my friend? Mate, I've been better, but I tell you, the only good thing about Origin being on a Sunday is I don't have to talk to you two clowns until Friday <laughs> afterwards. Well, we can, we can organise a Monday chat if you wish. Oh, I think I'm busy, actually. I think I'm real busy. <laughs> now, Shad, let's start Let's start with one of your uh, – well, how, how can we describe this guy? He was flicked by the Broncos. He plays for the Warriors, a fullback. He's an 18-year-old, Reese Walsh. He comes in and Freddie Fiddler said to him, mate, you're playing with the big boys now. Get ready. Oh, man, that was always going to happen, though, wasn't it? An 18-year-old decides to put the jersey on. And if anyone knows uh, a thing or two about starting too young, it's uh, Freddie, isn't it? He started real young as well in Origin. So I think he's just trying to do the same thing that people were trying to do to him back in the day. I I mean, I've, I remember messaging Tim when the, uh, when the side got announced for Game 3 and I was fuming. Um, I'm not overly stoked about this team, but Reese Walsh isn't the reason I'm not happy. I think give him a shot. And I also think name me another fullback 
Oh, yeah. It's pretty slim. Unless you chuck Holmes at fullback and go for another winger, that, that's your – like, there's not many other options. Yeah, I, th- I think I think Green's made the wrong call in terms of how he's re- rejigged the back line. I mean, mm. I, I love Capewell, but he had – it was – rings were run around him by turbo. It was – Pretty embarrassing how that was going. He's not. I don't think he's quick enough. And I also wonder which side of the field with Val on is he going to be on the same side as the Fox? Because you look at dropping Xavier Coates, he didn't have a great game, but he was probably one of the quickest guys on the field. So I wonder with the lack of pace, and that's how we got smashed by you guys. The other time was just so much speed running around outside of us. If we drop the wrong winger, Kyle Felt, not a very fast guy. Oh, Xavier Coates is out of the bag. He's an X factor. He's, a, he's he's one of those guys that can do something for you. But it does highlight something else, doesn't it? How shithouse Brisbane Broncos retention has been. I mean, <laughs> really? I mean, what were they doing? To be honest, I put, the, if we lose this game and lose the series, I put a massive amount of the responsibility on the Brisbane Broncos being one of the worst teams in the NRL. Like, it's, it's just, it's unacceptable, to be honest, because not only have they, like they've failed to bring a group of players up through their side that one like care about the Broncos, but are Queenslanders. They've let most of them disappear to other sides. I mean, the Roosters have got one, the, the Cowboys have taken two. Uh, and then obviously the Warriors are very happy we took Walshy. But we've got a side that that cannot produce great Queenslanders for the Maroons team. And then at the same time, is giving all these New South Wales players confidence because half of them have put 50 points on the board in in Suncorp Stadium. Well, mate, I'll tell you what, the Broncos could be fine. They've got Ben Eichen coming back, mate. Jeez, he's, he's going to save the day, isn't he? I, I kind of think there's a couple of positives with Eichen going there. How he did say that in terms of recruitment, he's going to focus on trying to get some Queenslanders in the side, yeah, which okay. I think is important. Mm. But, but, like, I think they need to look at the Panthers, as weird as this may sound. I mean, you've got a team that wasn't doing too well, but then decided to look at a group of players of juniors – and bring them up. You've got a whole bloody city. You've got a whole bloody city. Uh, you know, <laughs> but the, what about Benny? And I love him. Look, he's a really good guy. Uh, he, he must love pain because he, he's moving from the environment of a cushy TV studio into trying, you know, to, 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 to raise the Titanic. Oh, no, it's, I tell you what, it, it will be an amazing thing on your resume if you can just get him to the top eight within a year. You know what I mean? Like, it'll be quite impressive. But I'm more interested in, um, I mean, look, uh, you maybe you Tim maybe you like who's going to take that seat next to Paul Ken? I thought you guys would be pretty stoked. Put your hands up to jump oh. in there on three sixty. You guys are big fans. <laughs> Paul Ken, they spell his name wrong every week. <laughs> they were your words, not mine. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, hey um, Timmy, what's a Ben Iken? What sort of guy is he? Because like. Yeah, I see, I see him on the TV, yeah, but he's, he seems like he put a glass eye to sleep, wouldn't nah, he? No, nah, no, look, he, he is a really good guy and, and he's a very methodical thinker. And and I'm just being, I'm not saying this just because we're on the air here. And, and mm. look, he is the kind of guy that I think, and he's still really young, you know, he's still a pretty young guy. And I think this is what he's always wanted to do. But okay. uh, he, he just, you know, he's going to need to get good people around him. He's going to need to do what Shad mentioned there. He needs to get that nursery working and get them all on the same belief that, yes, we are a great club. We need to get back to that. That's that's that's. Otherwise, he's going to be another failed attempt at Brisbane uh, getting good again. But I think he's going to have, like, I honestly think he's going to have a real tough few years because we talk about wanting to build the nursery. Well, mm. all the best chicks have left. 
You know what I mean? So it's like this club chose uh, New South Wales players. They chose high-paid centres from the Sharks that got injured in the first week. Mm. I mean, it's just another classic story of, uh, of if my, like I've said to my stepdad, we've, we've spoken about it on here before, that loves yeah. South Sydney. I mean, I tell you what, he leaves a lot of brutal, very upset ex-girlfriends in his wake, old Wayne Bennett. Like the Broncos <laughs> are probably one of the worst. We thought Newcastle were in a worse position. This is one of the worst teams in the comp, and I'm going to put it out there. I think if the Bulldogs can upset my team next week, I think the Broncos are going to get themselves another wooden spoon. Yeah, a big chance, mate. And um, they won't make the eight next year. Like, I, can't, I mean, there's no way Brisbane Broncos will make the eight next year. Uh, look, mate, finally, on, on the subject of your beloved New Zealand Warriors, and it's still a little bit, you know, it irks me a little bit the way that you sort of turn to the Warriors, but I haven't got a very <laughs> safe place to stand on because when my kids are asked, who does your dad go for? They just say, whoever pays him. So, um, <laughs> which is true, which is true, and I stand by that. Uh, but... Uh, the impact of Phil Gould on the Warriors, your thoughts? I, I actually think it's not too bad. I, this is the busiest I've seen my team be in terms of recruitment since the uh, Steve Price Ruben Wiki days. Wow, that winds a clock. Yeah, that's a long time ago. So I, I, I really like it. But look, their, their only problem is most of them want to be all black. You do a very good coach over there too in Nathan Brown. Isn't Nathan Brown the coach you bring in though to get rid of all of the dead weight? And then he moves on and then you get another coach that kind of makes the team play reasonably well. I mean, the Knights were following that trajectory for a little bit. Yeah, I think he's better than that. I think I think he's a super coach. And I think I think he's he's he hasn't uh, you haven't seen the best of Nathan Brown yet. I think he's a he's a really uh, a strong thinker of the game. He's he's a good strategist. Um he gets all the players playing well together and um look I, I expect big things of him in the future. He's a, I think mean, he's a great coach. The, the best thing about Brownie, I think, which is what the Warriors have been missing for quite some time, is a hard line coach. I I think I I like what they're doing there. I think it's a good little team they got going and the new ownership there is thinking it's a big, big, big reason. Yeah, let's let's not go. Like, we're giving we're giving the Warriors too much airtime. I think we've given them enough. <laughs> Come on, but we'll finish it on that mentality because in professional sport and Vince Lombardi, that famous coach of the Green Bay Packers, he said winning isn't everything; it's the only thing. And it's true. It's the only thing. And Chad, that's not what you guys are going to be doing at Origin on Sunday night. I'll tell you what, mate. I remember this from last year. The ragtag group of players that somehow managed to win the win the series last year. If we win at Suncorp this weekend, it will be as big, if not bigger, than last time. And God, I hope we do because if we do, I will be ringing you to get on this podcast Monday, and we'll do the full hour. Do the full hour. <laughs> Go on, you, Chad. Thanks, mate. Thanks, guys. Have a good one, eh? Coming up on afternoon sport, of course, Olympic runner John Stephenson. Rugby. It's a game they play in heaven. Look out for our podcast, The Running Game, where Matt Dunning joins me, Tim Gilbert. Each week, we speak to players, coaches and legends of the game. We look at the game from every angle at all levels, from test rugby, the club game, city to country and the way it's played at school. The Running Game. Come find us on your podcast app. Thank God it is Friday. And I know I have a certain sense of enthusiasm when I say that, but it's a lovely day of the week. John Stephenson, how are you? Just waking up in the morning, gotta thank God. I don't know, but today seems kind of odd. I feel great, man. What's going on, Ooh, Tim? Breaking into a bit Does of Does anybody song. know that movie Friday? Because they'll know why I sang that song, because it was part of the soundtrack of Friday with Ice Cube. But anyway, that's for yeah, well, hip-hop well, heads well, out well, there. Well, those eclectic uh, for, uh, listeners that love a little bit of Ice Cube would have been right in your laneway then. <laughs> you know me, I'm more I'm more sound of music in the original Willy Wonka with Gene Wilder. Here we go again with the nostalgic <laughs> references, man. Oh my 
days. Uh, okay, mate, uh, I do digress. Uh, but it's interesting that you sing and I sort of get a bit enthusiastic because none of that is going to be available to the 10,000 fans that are at events in Japan. It's going to be like, oh, the 100 metres world record has been broken. Mate, you know what, Tim? I, I, I've been saying this from every podcast we talked about. I, I say it again. The broadcast event, I think we as Australians watching it on TV will not notice much of a difference. But these poor athletes, I've been watching the US Championships all week. Last week, it culminates this weekend. Unbelievable performances. Those that follow sport will see Shakari Richardson um, become the fastest woman alive. Well, she's not the fastest woman alive, but she pretty much almost became that on the weekend um, with a sensational performance, huge enthusiasm, huge character. And, you know, people in Japan are not going to see that. These athletes are not going to feel that. You know, you need the crowd. You work off the crowd. You work off the energy. That's what brings the great performances. You know, those that remember Usain Bolt running away from him and jogging through the line in Beijing and the crowd going crazy. This is what we remember from the Olympic Games. And these athletes are simply not going to get that. Yeah, and unfortunately, it's just the way it is. And and look, there's too much money involved. It's going to go ahead. It's going to be on. But I, like you, feel sorry for people involved and and even those that are on the broadcast. The crowd plays into... whatever role you have. So it's going to be difficult. But let, let's uh, look at the bright side of the road, John. There were some remarkable performances at the American Trials. Amazing performances. I, again, I did mention earlier Shakari Richardson. She absolutely destroyed him in the semifinal, pointing to the clock as, as she ran. I think it was 10.68 or 10.64. Um, I'm very bad at numbers, so please excuse me with that. Um, and then, you know, there's been other performances. Alison Felix making her fifth Olympic Games. Mm. I mean, wow. I mean, she has to go down as the greatest female Olympian ever, you know. Um, and then the men's 800 metres was just another absolutely gutsy race. I mean, there's just performances all around. The men's 400, I could not believe uh, Michael Norman um, taking it out. I actually didn't think he'd win up this young kid by the name of Randall Randolph Ross, Ross that I thought would take the, take the W. I mean, these are all my favourite events. And there was many other um, great performances. But, you know, in the new Eugene, Oregon State, a very famous stadium where Steve Prefontaine made it famous for for yeah. the University of Oregon. Um, wow, you, if, you got, if you get a chance, go on YouTube and type in that Oregon Stadium. It is, it is world, world, world class. Absolutely unbelievable. And speaking to your Saints manager today, he said, he, 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 look, he's been a great stadium, but he said, John, this is truly a magnificent stadium. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm glad that at least these athletes got to experience a great national champs and um, let's hope they can take those performances to the games. Now, John, I, I really do hate sort of admitting that you're right on occasions. I don't know why. It's something inside of me that hates it but uh you you did get on here and you said on a number of occasions that justice hooney his lead into the olympic games looks way too packed way too challenging and something could go wrong well it has gone wrong he did pick up 300k against gallon but he's injured his knuckles and he's not going to be in japan oh uh, you know i love being right I just absolutely love it. But I'm really sad for Justice because I think as an Australian, we wanted to see him go over to the Games. And, you know, to be honest with you, um, it would have been a lot easier for him to win a gold medal at the Games than what it's going to be to him to be a, a world champion. Because, he, mm. look, he's, he's challenged physically by his size. I mean, if you look at the current world champions, I mean, from, from Tyson Fury, Deontay Wilder, 
um, Anthony Joshua, they're huge boys, you know, and just, and, and it technically they're quite sound, you know, so, you know, justice really has it, has it up against him. Um, so the Olympic games would have been a beautiful, you know, story from the go then get the gold medal for Australia. I mean, really would have set up his professional career really, really well, but unfortunately, look, Gallon called it, man. He said, whatever happens, I'm going to break something and ruin your Olympics. I mean, I mean, do we love Gal for this or do we hate Gal for this? I mean, do we go, Gal, you ruin our Australian chance of getting a gold medal or we go, Gal, you're, you're the Oracle son, man. You, you predicted what's going to happen in the future with this kid and, you, and not only did you go nine rounds with him, you, you said no matter what happens, you're gonna you're gonna break something with it, your head, your hand, or whatever it is. You're gonna break. I want to leave. I'm gonna break your bones, and that's what's happened. So, but I did think this, Tim. I did think mm. this. Yes, he made three hundred thousand. Is this something where he goes, man? I can't be bothered going to Japan. Logistically, it looks too hard. Do I just say my hands sore? I turn pro. I've made three hundred thousand. I've built my name. Do I run off the back of this building my name and start making cash and keep building my name instead of going to Olympics? Maybe mm. not winning the gold medal Olympics will then sour his victory against Gallen and he, and he takes more of the Tim Zhu approach where he keeps getting these great tune-up fights and builds into maybe getting becoming a number one contender for, mm. a, for a world title shot. So that did cross my mind earlier today. So I'm putting that out there on, on our podcast. So when this do, if this does come out, then we can say, well, John was right again. Yeah, and you can as well. And you can just puff up that chest again. I, I saw a picture of the other day. You got the six-pack in place after your SAS and we're looking forward to that appearing on our screen sometime soon. Look, in, in the non-pandemic world, I think we'd all whether you're a broadcaster athlete administrator fan you'd love to be in Tokyo because they would just uh, put on the most remarkable of shows the the most extraordinary of countries and they did a great job in 1964 just a number of years after the second world war so you can imagine what they do but with the limitations of a pandemic it does make it tough John it's Friday be the best version of you we'll see you next week thank you very much Tim speak to you soon mate That's it for Afternoon Sport today. We'll be with you Monday to Friday every week. Follow us on your podcast app so you don't miss it. A big thank you today to Shad Wicker and John Stephenson and, of course, Spartan Sports. Yeah, wonderful sponsors, Spartan Sports, www.spartansportshq.com. And our great producer, Dan McHugh, will be back next week with your daily dose of sport. Have a great weekend.